Welcome back to the Fifth Wave Podcast. I'm Jeffrey Young, Editor-in-Chief of Fifth Wave. Today we're bringing you the final two interviews from the Fifth Wave Live sessions recorded at the European Coffee Symposium last week in Barcelona. In this episode, we hear from Elaine Swift, out-of-home director for UCC Coffee Europe, and Adrian Steiner, CEO of Thermaplan. In the first conversation, Elaine shares insights from her successful career, sheds light on how UCC navigated the pandemic, and explains how the business has adapted to an ever-evolving consumer landscape. Well, we've known each other some time. Yeah, we have, and I always get a little bit nervous when we're involved in one of your experiments, Jeffrey. <laughs> <laughs> oh, the great experiments. Yeah, well, you learn, don't you, by experiments? Exactly, um, yeah. Well, um, welcome very much to, to Fifth Wave. Um, you've had such an impressive career. You are really one of the, we often say, one of the most powerful uh, human beings in the, the, coffee, the European coffee industry, that's for sure. Um, and, and a, a very strong woman who's obviously inspired um, a huge amount of people to, to go out and do big things. So I wonder if you just just give us a little bit of background on, on, on your career. I know that you're a daughter of a baker. <laughs> I am. Going back, so there's hospitality and that world is, I guess, instilled in you very young. I wonder if you just, just sort of unpack a little bit of your career for us, that journey. Yeah, sure. Um, and also, thank you for having me. Um, and it's nice to share. I think, you know, growing up in a small town in Scotland and, yeah, my um, father and grandfather were bakers and um, got up and baked everything fresh through the night and then sold it through the day. And um, so from an early age, I was dragged out of my bed um, on the weekend and um, had to get into the shop and work. <laughs> so, um, yeah, my career started by um, hard work, really. And I think um, that's kind of been um, the philosophy um, all the way through. Um, I did my, came to London um, at 16, um, needed to get out of the small town and um, yeah, did my management training with Trust House 40. Um, so that was great, um, a real sort of insight into hospitality and um, fundamentally I think hospitality is about people. So real genuine liking for people and um, yeah, very shortly after that, getting into coffee developed a genuine liking for coffee. So very lucky to have been in coffee. It's a very sociable um, category and um, you know, it's a lot of fun. And then, uh, yeah, um, you know, joined um, Bewley's and um, I'd like to just kind of mention a little memory to Patrick Bewley today, who we lost at the end of 21. And also the guys mentioned Gianni and there's these yeah. amazing people from the coffee industry. And I learned so much from Patrick, um, mainly to do with percentages. Um, so, yeah, I think we learn a lot along the way and um, then that shapes, um, you know, um, the, the person you are and the leader that you are. And um, yeah, and then eventually after a number of years at Bewley's, um, joined uh, George Miller at First Choice Coffee. And um, yeah, so I haven't really looked back. That was in uh, 96. So in the current business now, responsible for our out of home business for UCC for Europe and sitting on our European board. I, um, yeah, just, uh, you know, had a lot of fun. Um, we, we've seen a lot of growth. Um, we've had some uh, great people, both customers and the team. Um, partnerships have been really, really key. And um, looking at Adrian, who you're going to hear from shortly, um, I think our partnership 
um, you know, with Dharmaplan has been, you know, one of the real key drivers and it's certainly been at the heart of our total coffee solution, which was really about working, um, you know, with operators and, and our customers as to how can we help them. And um, of course, we're an equipment-led coffee business, but we're really selling solutions um, that hopefully add, add value and, and help and create value. And yeah, I think, um, yeah, we, we fun has been really important. I think creating that culture with the team. And I think today in the room, um, you know, we've been a bit of a platform to people to come in, learn and grow, work hard, play hard. And um, some of them have stayed and developed. Um, some of them have gone and see them flourish in the industry, looking at Mr. Kenny there. And actually, some of them have come back, um, which is good. And when they come back, they then tend to stay. So, yeah, very fortunate to have been um, surrounded by, um, yeah, just great customers um, and, and, and great people, really. Mm. I remember in the early, early to mid-2000s, um, uh, we met and I, I was actually undertaking a sort of a project for Gala Coffee um, and uh, they wanted to do a little acquisition of a small business, uh, first choice coffee. And, um, but, I, but a few years before that, I met um, George Miller, who was the founder of that. And, and um, you obviously uh, had a huge role to play in, in the success of, of that business. But I remember George telling me, right at the beginning of, 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 you know, 2000, 2001, you know, Jeff, you know nothing about the coffee industry because you haven't recognized. <laughs> you don't even put, you haven't put us in your research and uh, you don't know who I am. And it was a very early, um, it, was, it was a good awakening because early, even in those days, the modular system of the thermal plant system and, and the actual, um, fully automatic machine was that the seeds were being sown then. Um, and it was, it was an eye opener for me. And it's amazing where, how the, the machine markets moved uh, as well. But I want to ask a question. What did you learn from George Miller? You know, from like you worked with him very closely. And, and uh, I remember when Gala bought, um, when, when, when Gala made that decision, uh, we did the commercial due diligence and we analyzed the business and, and, uh, the real decision was around great systems and, and, a, and a killer salesperson, you know. <laughs> this young Elaine, uh, Elaine at the time. I wonder what were the kind of learnings of working with this entrepreneur like George? What, what, what did you t take away from him? Yeah, I think, um, you know, it was a tiny business then. I think I was employee number eight. I think the turnover was about 750,000, I seem to remember. And it was a tiny, small business. But I think the nice thing about getting into that business was really being able to use all skills. Um, you know, you really had to be multi-skilled and, and, and do everything. And um, of course, the, the first, the early part of it was spending a lot of time looking at the kind of processes. And even though it was a small business, we needed to get a few things in place and invest in a few systems. Um, and then eventually um, that was done and it was get out and just grow the business. And I think George and I did work very well together. Yeah. Um, you know, we had a lot of fun. And um, yeah, so... I, I think, yeah, and 
Was there a real strategy? Did we really know where we were going? Yep. I don't think we were. I think so, we were just working hard and selling. Right. We knew we wanted to grow. Yep. Um, so yeah, and I think obviously we've got a little bit more sophisticated now where we, we kind of definitely know where we're going and we're on a journey to do that you, constantly. But um, yeah, so I think, wow. um, yeah, we, we were just having a lot of fun to be oh, honest, wow. Jeff. That might've been, what did he learn from you maybe? Well, I don't know, maybe. <laughs> well, I, I mean, <laughs> You've, you've taken that business and, and 100x'd it, basically, from where it was. And that's an incredible journey to have taken a business, a small business, and to, you know, yeah, yeah take it to I, such huge volume. And, you, and you're now responsible for the entire sort of European market. You know? Yeah, I think, you know, we've sold the business three times. Um, and um, that's a really interesting um, process to go through in itself. Um, it, particularly when, um, you know, you, you sell the business and then actually before you know it, you, you've been acquired and then you've got to deliver the plan you sold. Um, but yeah, so I think that there's been lots of interesting facets to the business of coffee yeah. um, as well as loving coffee and loving people. I think it's that business um, that's really interesting and sort of exciting. And, you know, I think there's, um, there's a lot of growth to go yet. Yeah. Um, you know, from the start of this year, um, we're on this journey to strengthen UCC as a European business and join up with our global business. And we really want to be the best business away from home in coffee. And um, of course, I know a lot about the UK market and, and some of the Northern European markets from before, but now responsible for the whole of Europe, it's really been going back and really understanding from the data and the insight and the coffee culture and the people in the other countries mm -hmm. now responsible and responsible for. And whilst our um, businesses all have coffee in common because it's been a mosaic of acquisitions. There's very few other similarities. So from the culture, from the language, from the business models, it's all very different. But really focusing now on remaining really strong locally and being really relevant, um, but then really supporting the teams as well with you know synergies and strategy and making sure that we're doing the right thing. And then obviously a real focus to really grow the business. Mm -hmm. Um, and, you know, we'll be able to do that. And I think we'll be better placed to deal with some of the larger multi-country customers now, um, as well as our, our local independent business, which is also very, very important to us. And, you know, you know more than anyone, Jeff, coffee is very different as you move around the world yeah, in different countries. So understanding that is really important. Mm. So it's no, no secret that, um, you know, UCC was very dependent on the workplace market. Um, and when pandemic happened, that must have been shell shock for your business. Is, is that, was that, was that to say? Yeah, so to some extent, there's some diversity in the business. We have our, you know, fundamentally, we're a private label coffee business. Um, you know, and we, we promote our total coffee solution away from home, but we do have our private label retail business as well. So we saw that shift from out of home um, to retail, but um, absolutely, it, well, it was devastating. And, um, you know, I think at the time we, we kind of led from the front, um, you know, we were in touch with customers and how we could support them through um, the pandemic, um, you know, in any way that we could and, and also financially to some extent and you know I think also um, yeah the, the recovery from that has also been interesting so it's been very very difficult um, 
I think for all businesses, you know, if you look back, the one thing is that we've all been navigating similar challenges. But of course, out of these times come lots of opportunities. And I think whilst we've been working hard, and at one point, I remember seeing our top line still growing, but the bottom line declining. So that's a whole new, um, a whole new challenge in terms of how we deal with that. But actually, um, stick to our longer term strategy, look after our customers and keep the business at the same time time and you know it's um you know of course looking at price increases we've done that you know um but it's never going to be enough so we we've obviously taken impact as well but i think that partnering um is what's seeing us now um come out in great shape and some of the big business that we've won probably since covid i think probably has come around from you know potentially the way um suppliers have handled customers through covid and coming wow. out of covid um so i think you you know, you've got to really partner, you've got to understand and, you know, I think you, you've got to work together um, to mutual benefit um, yep. so we all survive, really. Excellent. Um, and what's, what are your views on the changing workplace? Where do you think it is at at the moment? I mean... Yeah, I think that's challenging. I mean, look, the coffee market's still growing. It's predicted to grow. Um, so the consumers are still drinking coffee. So we've got to make sure with our customers we're, we're in the right places where coffee's being consumed. I think, um, you know, the, the hybrid working model and the work from home um, is interesting. And I think the way that we've tried to approach that is not necessarily try to have the flexibility, but instead of looking at it two days from home or three in the office is try to look at it from a task perspective. So, you know, what are the really transactional tasks that we do? And they can be done from anywhere. It doesn't really matter whether it's home. Um, but, you know, the more meaningful tasks involving the teams with customers, um, you know, development plans, one-to-one -one strategy, and, and really connecting and making sure that we come together for these tasks. So um, I like to think we've taken more of a task-based approach. Yeah. Um, one thing that does concern me, however, and particularly with all the kind of bottom line pressures around, is people that don't have that flex or don't really consider the importance of the company and they're kind of deciding that they want to just stay at home, then, you know, if we were looking today where you employ people around the world, you know, from a UK perspective, if you were employing people from home, you could broadly employ people from anywhere in the world. So there's going to be cheaper labor out there. Yeah. So I think, you know, I don't know if we're missing a trick in maybe helping some of these people that don't want to be flexible anymore, um, just to help them future-proof some of their thinking. Um, and so I think there's going to be more challenges come, but... Yeah. Um, yeah, but certainly um, the world's changing for sure. Yeah, hybrid working here forever? I think so. Well, yeah. flexible, yeah. yeah. Um, flexible. I don't think anybody's ever going to go back to um, five days in the office. Yeah. Great. Um, sort of reflecting on a, on a, on a, a you know, couple of decades in the coffee industry now, um, what, 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 have, what have you personally learned um, that the young Elaine, you know, who came to London at 16, um, wish she might have learned or, or known, or, or maybe, you know, maybe there's, there's you know, no mistakes really, but um, would you have done anything differently? 
Yeah, I think um, I'm probably looking back, um, you know, when you look at what you've done and what you've achieved, and I suppose you sometimes challenge yourself to think, could, could you have done it quicker? Um, and that maybe influences what the, maybe the next five sort of Pretty 10 years might look like. Um, I think the big learning for me has really been listening. Um, I think probably looking back, um, maybe, um, yeah, learning that skill of really listening, um, it, you know, w whether it's customers or it's the team. And yeah, I think um, everybody's different. And I think really understanding and listening um, and really allowing that to come into um, what we're trying to achieve. But, you know, I think, um, you know, that if the teams know what we're trying to do um, and you allow them to be part of it um, and they feel part of that success and you have some fun along the way, then, you know, I, I don't think leadership's that difficult, if I'm really being honest. Right. It's just creating an environment um, where people want to spend time and, um, you know, feel fairly rewarded and... You know, when our business was tiny and you could kind of take care of it all yourself, and actually I was saying this to somebody yesterday, that um, it terrified me as, as we grow this business, you know, what happens because it's easy for parts of the business to get diluted. So we had a big strategy around em employee engagement. Um, and, you know, if the team are genuinely engaged and happy then that translates in, into, um, you know, a better customer experience. Mm -hmm. um, and I think that's definitely been one of the things, you know, often people compliment us on the people at UCC and, um, you know, they, they are the business at the end of the day. And I think as well with coffee, and we've heard a lot of it today, that, um, you know, it's a very social product and coffee does need people. Um, absolutely agree that the future is automation. In fact, um, we've been saying that for, for, for a long, long time. And actually walking around host, um, you know, very recently, it's very evident that, um, that that's actually accelerating um, now for, for all the, ch the challenges that we've heard today. Right. And finally, future for UCC, what, what are you going to be focusing more on? So, um, well, uh, you know, I think we are um, in this transition, um, you know, we're one year into truly becoming, um, you know, a, a a European business, so um, remaining um, strong locally, um, you know, but growing uh, across Europe and also um, growing globally. And um, I think partnerships, you know, I mentioned the partnership um, with Thermoplan. I think if we have more partnerships like that, then I think there's mutual benefit there. And um, so I think, yeah, partnerships are going to be really important. Um, we're just starting to look at our strategy from a global perspective. You know, we do sustainability from a global perspective, but, you know, we're starting to look at global commercial strategies now um, for UCC. Right. Any countries you're particularly excited about in terms of marketplaces? Yeah, I think um, Germany we're looking at, um, you know, we've, um, we have different sizes of businesses in different markets um, in Europe. But certainly I think um, Germany's interesting um, for a number of reasons. Um, some of our existing customers have business there. We've had some recent wins which will take us into Germany um, and yeah, so we'll start to put feet on the street. And I think it was pleasing to see your graph this morning. Um, yeah. And yeah, I think there's a big opportunity to improve coffee generally in Germany. So I think, but we're focusing right across Europe. Great. Thanks, Elaine, for joining us here today on Fifth Wave. Thanks, Jeff. Thank yeah. you.
Next, we speak with Adrian Steiner, CEO of Thermoplan. In our conversation, Adrian talks about the importance of staying ahead of the curve and discusses the future innovations we can expect to see in the bean-to-cup equipment market. Well, has anyone in the room not heard of the Thermoplan? Okay, that's good. We're in the right audience. <laughs> yeah. I guess it is a commercial... Um, a, a highly successful commercial business in the in the European and global coffee industry, but I, I think um, you're a very understated company, and I, and I think I'd love to just unpack some of the some of the secrets of of this very very quiet achiever in the world of coffee, a, a remarkable business, and I think there's more to be told about your story. So, could you um, maybe Adrian give us a little bit of background on, on Thermoplan, you know? when it began and where it is now. Yeah. Yes, thank you, Jeffrey. Thank you for uh, having me here. And yeah, Thermoplan next year, we will celebrate our 50-year anniversary. Company was founded from Esther and Dominic Steiner, yeah, 1974, and uh, from a railway man. So Dominic was not even close to the coffee industry, but he was uh, an entrepreneur and still is an entrepreneur today. He is 86 years old and almost every day in the company because he likes to drink a coffee together with me in the morning and uh, smoke a cigarette because at home he is not allowed to smoke cigarettes. <laughs> so uh, yeah, he, he together with his wife Esther founded the company and started in, uh, in, in cream whipping business. So the first unit which was developed and produced in Switzerland was a cream whipper sold uh, globally. So Japan was one of the first market was uh, using this equipment. And then early 90s, they recognized the trend from the milk and milk foaming cappuccino trend. And they used the technology from whipped cream to design and produce a milk frotter device, so milk foamer. And uh, in 1995, in the age of uh, 63, he decided, together with his wife, to invest all his money into a modular of his vision, a modular coffee machine, and uh, started his development. And yeah, in '97, uh, so Elaine, she was uh, employee number eight. Uh, I know Guido is the employee number 14, and I was uh, in the age of 21, the employee number 21, the thermoplant. So, and I was then hired for launching this project, this uh, black and white coffee machine. And uh, my, my job there was uh, to build a technical uh, network, technical service network, and, and I did a lot of technical training. And one, uh, my, my first duty was exactly this time of the year, November, to present the machine at the EGO in Basel, a trade show. And uh, yeah, you can know, we, we were really uh, no name, almost like today. And, and presenting this uh, fully automated coffee machine and many competitors were asking, why are you producing now coffee machines? There are so many coffee machines on the market. And yeah, we did it. And three gentlemen from Starbucks, it was Peter, Paul and Larry, were, uh, it was not Mary, it was Larry at the time, and uh, uh, visiting the show in Basel and looking for a fully automated coffee machine. Of course, uh, we will tell the story you know, from the past, before, and, uh, and they were visiting also the Thermoplan booth and introduced themselves and 
you can imagine this time, we did not even know who is Starbucks. So it was not a marketing approach from our side. It was really by accident and they saw our equipment and they recognized this modular technology will help or make their life a little bit easier because Starbucks and all of us, reliability and availability of the coffee machine is key for a coffee shop and many other customers. And this was the start and Thermoplan was one out of 14 companies who got the opportunity to do this request for information. And later on, three companies got the chance to do a field test and Thermoplan, we installed the machine in Vancouver. And yeah, Switzerland and Swiss people and going out to the big world and installing machine in Vancouver. And there we learned, and sometimes we still do this, what is the need from customers? And uh, we customized our machine within like my machine to a Starbucks machine within six months. And I think this, these are the two keys. So you have to have a product who makes the life of the customers easier. And of course, being flexible and listen to the customer and customize the machine as quick as possible. And yeah. so we, we signed together the contract in uh, 1999. Wow. And a lot changed. With that everything, everything changed. At the time, we were a little bit bigger. So, Thermoplan, we have had uh, 30 employees and Starbucks, 30,000. So, it was also a, a risk management, also from Howard Schultz, <laughs> to put all the trust for a, a global partner. And this partnership was, from day one, very important for Starbucks, but also still is very important for Thermoplan. Wow. Um and tell us about Thermoplan today. How many machines do you produce a, a year? Or and I understand you've got, you're about to have your fifth factory, uh, yes. sort of fifth, uh, yes. fifth plant inside a yeah. mega factory there. Yeah, all the machines are produced and developed in Switzerland. So Thermoplan, we have right now 539 employees. 20% right. of them are working in R&D. So innovation is the key for us. So we invest a lot in technologies. And uh, yeah, we produce, last year we produced uh, 36,000 coffee machines. So every day, 150 to 200 machines are produced in Switzerland. And we source 82% of the components in Switzerland. So the Swiss made wow. is very important. Reliability, it's all about reliability. So we, the Swiss quality coffee equipment, we have, we have to deliver what we promise. And this is serving coffee to the customers. Wow. I must say, this Swiss ingenuity—just a little, sharing a little secret. I mean, my um, uh, unfortunately passed away father-in-law um, uh, was a Swiss uh, inventor. He invented the first electronic watch, the Boulevard, and he was. Uh, but he had these precision drilling machines in his uh, in, 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 in the in the home in Dietingen in, in Switzerland. So I've always been. Um, amazed by the sort of Swiss precision and planning. And would you say planning is, has been the key strength of your business? Is it, what, what, what is the strength of your business? Yeah, of course, it's uh, the employees, that's the strength. So we have an education system who allows these complex mechanic, hydraulic, electronic systems. Mm. So uh, yeah, the, the watch industry, or of course, also coffee machine and other many, many machine industries, which are a little bit more complex than others, are based in Switzerland. And my belief is uh, the education. 
which is uh, key to have. You have to have the smart employees, the, the good ideas to to do something different and be innovative and be creative. And you know, Switzerland, we don't have so much. Uh, uh, we, we only have our brains and cheese and mountains, and uh, and therefore we really have to be a little bit more open to find ideas how to make the life of our customers easier. Mm -hmm. and, and do you kind of partner with universities and, and to kind of get that technical skill and stay at the sharp edge? Yeah, more and more. I think what we have learned for, now we talk almost about the future, for the global trends, sustainability, that the whole digital business, which is transforming all of us, we can only be successful when we learn how to work in networks, when we share know-how, and therefore, of course, we work uh, very, very close with many universities in Switzerland, but also international. Great. If you look back at that very first machine you produced at Starbucks, I mean, compared to what you're doing today, um I'm, I'm assuming there's a lot of difference in its capabilities or yes, precision. I mean, how, 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 yeah, yeah, how much better is the milk quality than <laughs> yeah, it was uh, then? Which it, it was obviously sublime then for its time, but yeah. So, so I think the obvious difference is uh, consistency. Consistency, right. we have to uh, improve this a lot. But uh, for Starbucks working together, it's quite simple. So. Uh, brings out the best out of our coffee, is most the re most reliable machine yeah. and fun and easy to use. This has not changed over these 26 years. Right. But of course, the, all machines are connected for a two-way communication since more than eight years. Uh, right now, we have uh, in 86 countries, 63,500 units connected only for Starbucks. So we receive everyday information, but we can also download information. So it's technical service and availability has completely changed over the years. Wow. And how would you describe the kind of pace of, of, um, of growth for, for, you know, I mean, we see it as an industry, we think, you know, people like Allegra, and we can stand up here and say, yeah, there's massive demand and massive growth for the, you know, automated coffee solutions. What sort of growth pace are you seeing in the market there? Yeah, of course, growth is very important for us, for Terraplan, because I'm a little bit, uh, I call this a uh, stupor. So people, so person, so I, I don't like too much changes and I like to be focused. So yep. for example, over this Yes, I'm working for the company. We only increased the price once in 2008. So one price increase for uh, 5%. Wow. Right. Um, but I don't like to give discount. This is the other side. Um, <laughs> uh, so we have to grow. And that's the, the secret. So we grow our business, we sell more machines, and then at the end, we will also secret our margin. Mm -hmm. I think this helps only we have to be more efficient, so value engineering designed for manufacturing so that we really work very, very close with our supply chain, that we work very, very close with our customers to learn where we can optimize the, the machine, the equipment to the need of the customers. And I think this gets more and more important when sustainability, we heard this today also many times, so circular economy. Yep. So how to reuse the components when we 
for example, build a machine with a boiler, the boiler will last for 50 years, it's stainless steel. So how, how can we take more responsibility with our modular system to give the components a second life or a third life or, or even uh, close the whole recycling process? I think that's, it's, it's growing, but growing responsible. So right. taking responsibility for, for the equipment, that's yeah. the key. And what kind of percentage volumes of equipment do you see the market growing out of the moment, sort of in terms of, are we looking at 10%, 20% growth for fully automatic machines on a global basis? Yeah, global basis, depending very much on the country. For example, we, we receive always these statistics and this year, most fully automated machines were sold to China. It's right. a growth compared to last year, plus 416%. So uh, this is the extreme. Globally, overall, it's between 12 and 14%. Year Over by year. 14% growth. Yes, okay. yes. Well, that's, you're certainly the, the right person to tell us. I mean, that's, that's phenomenal growth when we look at a, a market um, that is, uh, you know, it's difficult times at the moment, but it looks like fully automated or, and, or ex at least highly automated is, is, a, is a solution for today's world. Yeah, but of course, it depends always on the business model. For example, in North America at Starbucks, more than 68% uh, of the beverage are mobile order. Yeah. So this information from the order process goes directly to the machine, preparing the beverage to the taste of the customer, mobile payment. Uh, the transaction in, for example, North America are completely different. Or when I say in, in, in China, for, for Luckin or Gotti and all these fast, fast-growing coffee chains, uh, it's more than 95% is delivered. Yeah. So coffee delivery. Yeah. And, and, and there you need different systems, different type of automatization. Yeah. And, and I think, yeah, to have data from the machine, it's all over the world the key. Right. So data being. So finally, just to kind of what, what could we expect from coffee machines? What, what kind of new innovations would you love to implement sort of over the next... Uh, you know, three to five years or, or let's say the next 10 years, because I know this technology takes a, quite a while to develop. Yeah, of course. Um, I think using resources more responsibility. So for a coffee machine, of course, you need electricity, you need water, you need coffee, milk. And all this is, uh, for example, coffee machines are, are wasting a lot of energy. So also thermoplans. So, so we, we are used to go to the machine, pressing the button, and the coffee has to be there within the 30 seconds. So smart systems who we can with AI, and so we can predict how the machine is used. This is something which will help us to be much more energy efficient. New heating technologies, induction heating, but also uh, more water efficient on cleaning and other processes. I think the biggest impact will be made on using less coffee and coffee grounds to brew a coffee. So fractional brewing is a technology we are working a lot on because it's uh, 18 grams for a cup of coffee. It's, it's a lot of coffee right. <laughs> with the grove. And uh, I'm sure there are methods 
to reduce the coffee consumption and be also more uh, environmental friendly on that side. And, uh, and all this together, I believe the coffee trends, uh, hot and cold, is, it's, it's making uh, a big difference. Yeah. And uh, scaling the equipment to the need of the customer. I think, especially in a chain business or, or yeah, yeah, to, to get not even modules in the machine, but also modular machine systems where, where you can start the business, where you can grow a business, where you can be very, very efficient or a to-go business or whatever, ghost kitchens. I think we have to be also, we have to get more flexible uh, on the equipment itself. And do you think we're ever going to see this level of technology really hit the home market? Do you, have you, have, have you, have, have, do you have plans for equipment in the home? Yeah, that's difficult. Um, for example, when I, I, I compare this, we, we produce also the coffee machines, all the coffee machines for Nespresso, the, the B2B business. Probably this morning in the breakfast area, you have enjoyed the Thermopan coffee. Um, Nespresso is very high level uh, experienced on the B2C business. Yeah. And when I compare what the cost, production cost is for a Nespresso coffee machine for home, this is about the packaging cost of my machine. So it's, yeah. uh, it's, it's <laughs> completely different. Yeah. So for 24 uh, pounds, I cannot produce machines in Switzerland. So yeah. it's, uh, then I have to go international. And then I always say, so uh, we produce old machines in Switzerland. Yeah. So the international production can be done maybe for the next generation, but not for me. Okay. Great. Well, thanks for joining us here today. Thank you. Adrian on Fitzway. It's been a delight. Thank you so much. Thank you. And that's all for this week's Fifth Wave podcast. Please subscribe to Fifth Wave wherever you get your podcasts. And if you've enjoyed this show, please recommend us to a friend or colleague. And if you want to stay informed, visit worldcoffeeportal.com to get access to all the latest global coffee news, including the weekly coffee dose, our newsletter collecting all the big coffee news stories of the week. Links are in the show notes. This episode was produced in the one and only Serendipity Studios in glorious Camden, North London. It was produced by myself, Jeffrey Young, Hannah Heath, and sound engineering by Chris Bristow. And until next time, stay safe, stay passionate, and stay caffeinated.